welcome to episode 238 of Late Night Linux, recorded on the 17th of July 2023. I'm Joe, and with me are Phelan. Buenas tardes. Graham. Bonsoir. And Will. Bono estente. <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, uh, before we get going today, uh, a couple of things to mention off the top. A bit of an admin section before the actual admin section. First of all, friend of the show, Monica Madden, is looking for a job. Now, She's looking for something in community management, DevRel, or advocacy, or events organization and support. And she's looking for full or part-time, freelance or contract, and either remote or in Atlanta, Georgia, where she is. And she can start straight away. She's got a good network and networking skills online and in person. She's super friendly and personable, and she's great at seeing the big picture and the steps needed to get there. And she's part of the Ubuntu Mate team, quite a key part of it, I think. So I'll put links in the show notes to her Mastodon and her LinkedIn. So if there's any jobs going that you think she'd be a good fit for, then get in contact with her. Also, if you are a specialist in SEO, like if you actually do it for your job and are willing to help us out, then we're looking for an SEO person to make the websites better, basically. There's a small budget available, but not a huge one. And ideally, we'd be looking to work with someone rather than just hand you the keys and let you have at it. Hopefully that'll help keep the budget down. So do get in touch. Joe at latenightlinux.com is the best email address for that. Right, let's do some news then. Ubuntu Maker Canonical pulls in control of LexD. That's how you say that, isn't it? L-X-D, it's spelled. Yeah, yeah, it is, yeah. Yeah, and uh, that seemed a bit odd. And then one of the LexD developers, Christian Broner, posted on Mastodon, as of yesterday, the LexD project is no longer part of the Linux Containers project but can now be instead found directly under Canonical's control. Blah, blah, blah. I personally consider Canonical's move to be a hostile act, and as far as I'm concerned, the decision was unilateral. It may be legally sound, but it leaves a very bad taste behind, and then a thread about that kind of stuff. And that was like, what? Uh, okay. Why would Red Hat do this? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, come on. <laughs> and then Stefan Graeber posted, time to move on. After a bit over 12 years of working for Canonical, Friday the 7th of July was my last day. And he goes on to say, as I've told colleagues and upper management, Canonical isn't the company I excitedly joined back in 2011, and it's not a company that I would want to join today. Therefore, it shouldn't be a company that I keep working for either. And then he goes on about LexD. Following the announcement of my resignation, Canonical decided to pull LexD out of the Linux containers project and relocate it to a full in-house project. So if I'm getting this right, he'd had enough of working for Canonical because the culture has changed over the last 12 years that he's been there. And as soon as he said, I'm off, Canonical said, right, well, it's our ball and we're taking it home then. And this just doesn't look good for Canonical, basically, I'm afraid. You might have to stay a bit quiet on this one, Graham. Yeah, I think I will. <laughs> Certainly, Joe, your interpretation of, of events is the same as mine from the outside. Now, I haven't spoken to Stefan for many years, but that's exactly what it looks like to me. Who funded all the work and how big was the team? Was it just him? No, no, there were, uh, oh, I don't know, seven or eight people on it maybe when I was there. So I assume it's probably grown a little bit. But he was like the real visionary and the, the leader of all of that work. And still is. Do I get to be devil's advocate then? And do I get to say, well, they did pay for all the work to get done? <laughs> well, Stefan says, having the LexD community experiment be labeled a failure within Canonical seems unfair to me and everyone who contributed over the years. 
Because Lex D itself is a very much a canonical thing, but Lex C, which it really depends on, is a proper community project. I feel like there's probably some internal stuff that we don't know. It sounds like something didn't go right and somebody got annoyed. And that's not me trying to stick up for Canonical by any means, but I don't know. It, it Something doesn't feel right about it. It does sound like somebody's had a bit of a <laughs> a pram throwage. Now, that could be from both sides. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Messy. Look, if it stays open source and it's uh, the source is available to everybody, uh, what's the problem? <laughs> yeah. I suppose. I mean, like, if you do fund a project, like, if, if you say there's like eight or ten people there, then, I mean, realistically, what was he expecting to leave and then, you know, still be in charge of the team that is hired by Canonical or something? It just seems a bit odd. I don't know. The problem potentially is, and I don't know this for a fact, but I can see that perhaps this is something that may happen. If it becomes a Canonical project, then you are required to sign the Canonical agreement. Whereas if it was a Linux containers project, then maybe there's an alternative, more friendly or less restrictive, I don't know, an alternative contract that you had to sign or a terms of service or something that was like a more open source centric one that didn't sign your rights over or your, your copyright over to somebody else. But that is complete speculation on my part. But I can see that that is a situation which may well exist. Well, it does say in his blog post. Uh, however, I don't intend to ever sign Canonical's CLA, Contributor License Agreement. So yeah, that must have something to do with it. In defense of CLAs, it does allow you to do stuff like relicensing. Whereas if you take a big, messy project, like, for example, Pigeon, this is something that Gary from Linux Downtime has talked about. It is impossible for Pigeon to relicense because they just can't get in contact with everyone who has contributed code to that project. I mean, some of those people are no longer with us even. And how does that even work with getting in touch with relatives? It's just not going to happen. Whereas if things are developed with a CLA, it means that there's one central body that can make decisions like that. Like if a new version of the GPL comes out, for example, that is better than two or three, then you can just switch over to it. But you can't necessarily do that if you don't have a CLA in place. So that's always been the argument for it. But I can see as an individual contributor, you're not really going to want to do that to sign your rights away effectively. I'm generally in favor of the CLA. I don't have a problem with it personally. And I think it makes a lot of sense from a business perspective. But the canonical CLA suffers with the same problem that quite a lot of canonical projects have. And that is being associated with canonical. And that puts off a lot of developers from outside just the way that it is. Yeah. And I guess I should point out also that contributors still retain copyright on their code. The canonical CLA says that you're basically granting a license to canonical. And I really hope Stefan writes more about why he's he doesn't want to sign the canonical CLA. I'd certainly be really interested to hear his point of view on it. He's done an amazing job on XD, we should say that. It's been incredible the work that he's done and he's responsible for its success and so many people using it. And it's so complicated. I do wonder if he's gonna fork it. It would seem like an awful lot of work and burden to take on, but the way he's talking in this post, you kind of get that impression that he's at least thinking about doing that. Choice is good. <laughs> yeah, fragmentation is even better. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm, that's the sprinkles on your ice cream, that is. Yeah. Well, we'll have to see whether that happens or not. 
there's no word on that yet. And uh, it looks like he's not looking for another job at this point. So who knows what's going to happen. Fedora Workstation 40 considering to implement privacy-preserving telemetry. I really hope this is going to be a short conversation. Good. Go for it. Intercaps, oh my god, I can't believe they're doing this. Oh, come on. Fuck anyone who says that they shouldn't be doing this. If you actually read the proposal, the way it's going to be done is properly anonymized, self-hosted by the Fedora project. You can't properly anonymize data. You can still tell who's who. Ah, look, I trust Fedora to do stuff like this properly. Narrator's voice, that was his first mistake. <laughs> uh, please don't tell me you're going to argue with me on this, failing. No, I'm all in on the KD metrics, but I trust KD. <laughs> I trust Fedora. It, it, they're going to take away all the, the the options and all it will be is just a questionnaire system on your computer and then <laughs> we'll close down. <laughs> well, yeah, that is quite funny. That That is one of the key reasons why they want to do this, so they can find things to get rid of in <laughs> <laughs> settings and stuff. But, you know, that's fine. That's exactly what telemetry should be for. <laughs> Removing choice. No, shaping the thing that you are making into the thing that you want it to be and your users want it to be. Into the way that GNOME wants your computer to be. Yes, correct. That is the correct sentence. And look, opt-out, I think, is fine. As long as it's easy to opt-out, which it looks like it will be, I have no problem with this at all. And I think that the the people who are complaining about it use a different distro then, if you don't like it. Look, I think, I think you're right. I think also this is one of the huge untapped potential resources we've got in Linux and open source to improve our software. Because I think... We all get some share in the positive outcome. And it's something that is so useful. You know, just knowing how people use the desktop, the applications they use, where they're clicking, whether they're using menus or icons or keyboard shortcuts or command lines. And we don't trust anybody else. We wouldn't trust Apple or we wouldn't trust Microsoft with this data. It just goes out there. But I do feel like, I think we've almost talked about this before, there should be a way that we have control over the data that we're sharing more so that other companies could tap into it. You know, like some kind of open API and an open platform that's hosted on something that we can trust so that we can all sign into it on all of the apps that we want to share our data with. I think it's really important and we could really improve things. Well, yeah, and Fedora talk about how they're going to have the whole thing open source, the back end as well, so you can set up your own server mm. and see exactly what your desktop is sending to that server. That's what I mean when I say I trust Fedora to do this right. And you're right, even stuff like monitor resolution. Is anybody using a 720p display or thereabouts, 13, whatever it is, with Fedora anymore? Maybe that's 1% of people, so maybe they can deprioritize that. I know that was something that you cared about with Ubuntu, Will. There's so much potentially wasted resources because we have no idea how many people are using a certain workflow or setting or bit of hardware or hardware combination and metrics collection properly anonymized is the way to find that out and direct limited resources in the right places does that still hold true if you are opting in though does that not mean that the hardline opt-inners will opt-in mm. and the people who don't want to opt-in will be potentially a large majority that won't? Whereas if you have to force somebody to opt-out, is that not a better way of doing that? Where Definitely, yeah. Then you get actual proper stats, yeah. So, okay, so it, it's going to mean almost nothing, maybe, potentially? No, no, this is going to be opt-out, is the point. 
Is it? I see. I, I misunderstood. I thought it was going to be opt-in. No. Ah, they're talking okay. about it being op- opt-out. Easy to opt-out. Right. But opt-out nonetheless. Okay. Well, that, that makes more sense then. Yeah. I mean, that's the controversy is that everyone wants it to be opt-in, but there's just no point, as you said, if it's opt-in. You are self-selecting people who want to help the project. Yeah. Whereas really, you want everybody using it to contribute. And really, a few stats about how you use the distro that you're getting for free seems like a fair trade to me. Especially if it's all open source, all anonymized, all auditable, all testable by yourself and your company or whoever's using it. Like I said, this should be a very short conversation. It should be well done, Fedora. Go for it. Okay, this episode is sponsored by Entroware. Go to entroware.com. Entroware sells computers with Ubuntu and Ubuntu Mate pre-installed. They've got a range of desktops, laptops, and servers, and most parts are configurable, so you can pick the CPU, RAM, and storage that's right for you. If you can't find exactly what you want, then do contact them, and they'll work with you on a bespoke solution that's perfect for your needs. They ship to the UK, Republic of Ireland, France, Germany, Italy, and Spain, And if you do buy one of their machines, there's a little drop down at checkout and you can select late night Linux so they'll know that we sent you. So go to entroware.com for all your Linux computing needs. On to a bit of admin then. First of all, thank you everyone who supports us with PayPal and Patreon. We really do appreciate that. If you want to join those people, you can go to latenightlinux.com slash support. And remember, for various amounts on Patreon, you can get an ad-free feed of either just this show or all the shows in the Late Night Linux family. And if you want to get in contact with us, you can email show at latenightlinux.com. All right, more on the whole RHEL source code situation. It's been a long two weeks since we last talked about it. It's all going well. It's blown over. <laughs> yeah, it's. we'll never be talking about it again. Hang on, no. Uh, let me just start with a little bit of feedback from Gene. They wrote, CERN said a while back that they were going to go to CentOS stream, so the RHEL change shouldn't matter. I think somebody said that they were concerned about CERN. Yeah, me. Yeah, so you were wrong. Well, uh, do you know what? I think it's actually a missed opportunity. I think they should have gone to Debian and they would have been happier. (laughs) And I think that would have been better for everybody because that's a proper community distro. I think for all institutions like that, just don't go along with a corporate-backed product. I think maybe get on board with the actual proper community thing and then drive the community that way. And pay someone to support you who is a community member. and Yeah, like the likes of Freaksian, for instance. Yeah. They do the way I think that most support should work, where a block amount of hours is ordered up and they divvy it out when a job needs doing. And not everybody can afford to stick a contract on every single box. It's just, it's crazy money. And people don't have crazy money. It, it just seems like a wasted amount of cash. So whereas at least this way you can see the work getting done. So I don't know. What do I know? Anyway, right, so a lot has happened. First of all, Oracle just, I mean, this is just comical. (laughs) Keep Linux open and free. We can't afford not to. (laughs) Followed by, I don't know, 500 words of just fucking pure gaslighting from a couple of their quite well-paid people by the looks of things. I mean, come the fuck on, Oracle. Who do you think (laughs) you are trying to kid with this bullshit? And then at the end, finally to IBM, here's a big idea for you. You say you don't want to pay for all those rail developers. Here's how you can save money. Just pull from us. Become a downstream distributor of Oracle <laughs> Linux. We will happily take on the burden. 
Yeah, let's put it in the hands of fucking Oracle. <laughs> I mean, Oracle is literally a punchline at this point. The problem is, though, are the people in charge of the purse strings going to know all the back history of this Not They're going to look at that and go, oh, they seem like a smart bunch of chaps. Let's talk to those guys. They must be really good. Because it's not always the people who know who are asked. I mean, look, there are some reasonable points in this piece about the shit that Red Hat has done and how that's not ideal. But then you remember, hang on, no, this is fucking Oracle. Fuck you. No, you can't just come out and say this as Oracle. I'm just not having it. And the idea of, oh, if you are working on RHEL and you're not happy with it, come and work for us. Mm, good luck with that. Well, I cross one of those off the sponsors list anyway. <laughs> 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 that golden check has just been returned to sender. Actually, who's left? I've lost track. <laughs> Uh, Sousa left, so uh, <laughs> let's have their blog post. Sousa preserves choice in enterprise Linux by forking RHEL with a $10 million investment. Oh, brilliant idea. It's genius, isn't it? What could possibly go wrong with this? Teaming up with Rocky Linux, by the looks of things, I mean, they hint at that. They don't tell us what it's going to be called. Ruse. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. They talk about like wanting to try and maintain this one-for-one, bug-for-bug compatibility, and uh, yeah, that seems like it's going to be fairly tricky. And I mean, $10 million, is it's not nothing, is it? It's quite a lot of money. You do have to wonder what that $10 million is going to be spent on and who's going to be working on this. And have Rocky just said to Susan, oh yeah, don't worry, it'll be fine. Give us 10 million, we'll, yeah, it'll be fine. We'll make a dance video on YouTube. Yeah, we'll, we'll throw in one of those dreadful change the lyric yeah. songs that are just massively cringe, yeah. Oh, hey, I can do that for you now anyway, don't worry about it. Oh, uh, that's true, yeah, yeah. And finally, Alma have come out and said something quite different. They've decided to play the game with Red Hat, stay on side with them, and not maintain bug-for-bug compatibility. What's the point then? (laughs) Well, that's what I thought, right, until I read it. And then they said that they are at least aiming for ABI compatibility, which means that any software that will run on RHEL will run on Alma. That seems difficult to me to make sure that every bit of software will do that. But it also seems to me that they are playing Red Hat's game. As I said, they are not saying, fuck you, we're going to do what we were doing before. They've said, right, well, we can't just be a clone. We have to be a separate distro, but we're going to work hard to make software run on it. And that's sort of what Red Hat wanted, I think. They, they didn't want just straight up clones. And they say that it means that they can potentially fix bugs and then contribute them upstream and maybe even implement new features and stuff. I mean, what you said, Phelan, is the kind of bursting of that bubble, though. Like, what is the point of a distro that is not a clone of RHEL? Because you've got Stream, which is... I mean, it sounds like this is going to be somewhere between Stream and RHEL. Yeah, yet more tears. It's great. It's like, I don't know. I don't get... I I think... I'd love to know inside the uh, the Red Hat boardroom if this is, you know, how they proceeded things to be planning and are all very happy with how it all went or if they're, like, shiting themselves now because they've unleashed, like, the other two main competitors against them. I would really dearly love to know, but um, I just don't get what the point is anymore. By the looks of it, you still have to have 
either a Red Hat license or you're going with one of the other two because Alma is, I can't see that as a contender. Like if you log a bug, say say you're, you've got a DB, I don't know, whatever, and it's not working and they say, well, what do you run on Alma? And they're like, no, sorry, that's not, that's not supported. That's not a proper release. I mean, ABI compatibility, yeah, that's lovely and all, but I bet you could probably make a Debian that's close enough and would run the application if they had the libraries at the right level. Mm, I don't know about that. I think it'd be a lot more work. No, my point is the fact that if you've got the right library levels, whatever that happens to be, then that is as close to ABI compatibility as would really run something. But to get something that's going to pass the software provider's checklist, if it's not the actual thing, then it's not the checklist. It's, it's you know, it's binary. It's one or the other. Well, you said that you'd love to see inside the Red Hat and IBM boardrooms. And for me, all I can think of is the gif that comes from Breaking Bad, the face-off episode, where he's on the phone to Skyler and he just says, I won. Red Hat have won because they've sown chaos. And out of that chaos has come this weird, uncertain future for Rocky and whatever Sousa's going to get involved with there. And... Even Oracle admit that they probably won't be able to be a straight-up clone. And Alma is like this weird in-between. And so they have achieved their goal of making RHEL be its own thing with no straight-up clone of it. They have just one, as far as I can see. I don't know about that. I mean, if I'm a vendor providing software, I'm not going to just want to be working with one user at the far end. I mean, I'm going to want you know, whatever happens to be the choice between everybody else. And maybe that is no longer going to be the Red Hat ecosystem. This is why you're not a very successful businessman. <laughs> no, but you have to look at, I don't know. I, I See, RHEL is great and all, but I don't know whether that's actually where the future of software lies. If, if you were to strictly look at the likes of AWS and containers, Red Hat's not in it because you're not going to have license fees for that. I think that's why this got pushed through. No, this is a totally different market. This isn't cloud and containers and Kubernetes and everything. This is banks and on-prem stuff, old school IT. That's the market that we're talking about here. That's crusty though. It's not going anywhere. That's the problem. Exactly. It's not going anywhere. Yeah, as in it's not going anywhere. It's not going up. It's slowly dwindling away. And the problem is all of those new people are not going to be learning Red Hat because that's just become a shit show. They're going to be running something else. Well, that was already happening anyway. And so now they are securing the medium to long-term tail of old-school on-prem IT, which will never go away because there's compliance issues and stuff. And yeah, and the cloud vendors will try and say that you can have a, a private cloud with them, but there's certain banks and government stuff that has to be on-prem and you have to have certain compliance checklists and everything. So. I don't think that that old school enterprise Linux business model will go away in the next like 30 years plus. I think you're wildly optimistic on behalf of Red Hat there. <laughs> Look, how many COBOL programmers listen to our show and do that shit every day and get paid shitloads for it because there's so many old systems that still need those people to work on them? 
I'd say it's two. <laughs> well, write in, show at latenightlinux.com and prove me right and prove Phelan wrong again. <laughs> Need a postal address there, Joe. Okay, well, all the Java programmers write in as well and tell us. <laughs> yeah, and all the people who are maintaining these on-prem systems for banks and government departments and everything. A lot of that stuff is dying off. Even Bank of Ireland, my crusty bank over here, finally got rid of its old mainframe. So that is all gone now from them. I don't know. I think there's something deep rooted this in Red Hat where they went, oh my God, we're in the shits. We need to make money quick. No, I think it's much more long term than that, but we'll see. Right. You've snuck a KDE corner into this. It's very quick. By stealth. So you've, uh, you've got one minute. KDE EV report 2022 is out. Yeah. Th- this is colossal and it's worth a read. But the interesting thing I thought around the end was the finances where. Patrons and corporations account for 23.5% of the money that KDE has. And the great thing is that uh, the members are 42.6%, which I think is really cool. And their expenses are 54.5% on people and 24% on events. I mean, I think that's possibly the best way a thing could go. Get invested by the people who use your product the most and then give it back out to the people who are doing the work on the product. So that's a really healthy financial statement, I think. So nice to see that. And they, they had their first academy in person this year, Steam Deck. They hired some new engineers and all the gold stuff that's going on and the prep for Plasma 6 and the Wayland work. I think it's been a really good year. And uh, yeah, academy's going on right now. Yeah, and there's raw videos available at this point. There is, yeah. Uh, provide a link to the cockatoo i think it's called the uh, video page there's a, there's a feed there with the various days i think there's four days worth in the two rooms available and uh yeah they'll be all broken down eventually but if you're really chomping at the bit to get in there go for it before we get out of here quick update on the dynamic ad situation we're going to put that off for a bit things are not looking great when it comes to ads but for various reasons we've decided that uh, we'll wait a bit on that Primarily because the company that I was negotiating with, they were going to sell a combination of host red ads, so me doing the old, okay, this episode is sponsored by blah, 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 along with the programmatic ads, as they call it, which is the just random person reading it. And it came up in a meeting that those ads would require a tracking pixel. Now, I don't know with 100% clarity what tracking pixels are, but it sounded shit to me. And so that has somewhat put the kibosh on the whole thing for now. And it's made me realize that you look around and you see the shit that's going on in the IT industry and wider. And you're not allowed to say in shitification anymore. Did you know that, lads? You're not allowed to say that. That's like hackneyed and overused at this point. But it's fucking what's happened. And it made me think, is that what we were thinking of doing to this show in shitification with the dynamic ads? And it's maybe going to happen eventually it probably going to happen eventually but i think let's just ride out this period and see what happens and i'm a bit concerned that maybe some people signed up for the patreon specifically to avoid these dynamic ads which are now not going to happen at least for a while and so i wanted to be as transparent as possible about that that it is something that has been delayed for now yeah and i think that's the right way to go like Probably, as you say, you probably will have to do it, but it just, we don't want to pick the wrong place. You know, it's all very well as talking about sort of software and then 
partnering with the worst in uh, fintech bastards. Like, well, it's ad tech in it rather than fintech. Oh, ad tech. Sorry. Look, they're all the same bastards to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's probably inevitable. Probably, but maybe not. Maybe things will recover. Maybe there'll be a few more ads sold and, you know. I mean, I looked the other day and it's been four years since we got ads on this show and we've not had a single episode that hasn't had at least one ad on it since then. And looking at my doc of episodes and what ads are going where, there's some gaps. And that's got me thinking, hmm, maybe we could have a couple of episodes off this summer. Maybe instead of a proper summer holiday, I could actually just skip one episode of each show maybe if there's no ads sold on it i mean i don't know if the patrons would feel shortchanged about that let us know i suppose but um you know we'll see what happens come the end of summer when things start to hopefully pick up and get back to normal whatever normal is i just don't want to inshitify these shows that we do here it feels like just the wrong thing to do right now and that's definitely influenced by looking around at what other companies have done let's just say but as ever let us know your thoughts on it show at latenightlinux.com but we better get out of here then we'll be back next week when who knows what we're talking about probably some discoveries and stuff but until then I've been Joe I've been Phelan I've been Graham and I've been Will see you later